Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. We are in week three of a series just simply called First John, where we are taking a look at one specific book of the Bible. We do this every year around this time where we deep dive into one specific book of the Bible. And this year, we're looking at the New Testament book of First John. It's really short. It's only five chapters. And I want to remind you that our team has done an amazing job of creating an online devotional to go along with this series. And so you can download that and go through that devotional. It's been phenomenal, and so you can find that on our website and our app, so go check that out. But today, we're going to look at some verses from 1 John chapter 3 that just warning, it gets all up in our business, and so we're just going to go there right away. John, 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 11, this is the message you have heard from the beginning, and he just goes right for the jugular, right from the start. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and killed his brothers. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Verse 14, that if we love, goes back on the subject, our Christian brothers and sisters, it proves we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And that's really what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, too, is that, like, if you just hate, it's kind of like murder. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. Then he says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for brothers and sisters, If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Let's not just talk the talk, but let's walk the walk. Let's like the early 2000s hip-hop philosopher Buster Rhymes says, don't just talk about it, be about it. Can I get an amen? Okay. It says, verse 19, our actions will show that we belong to the truth and we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God, some of y'all need to underline this. God is greater than our feelings. Get that tattooed on your neck, somebody. God, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. Verse 23, and this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. So today, if you're taking notes, I want to answer this question today. What does love require? So we're talking a lot about love. This passage, it talks a lot about love. Last week, Nat talked a lot about love. And so the question today that I think we have to answer is what does love require? Let's pray. God, will you help us today? Will you help us understand what love requires? In Jesus' name we pray. 
And everybody said, at home, amen. I don't know about you, but sometimes, just confession, sometimes I get really frustrated with the word love. I get like really, really frustrated with, like it drives me crazy because we use it all the time for everything. It's like, I love this and I love that. I love that person. I love this thing. I love this. It's like we use it all the time. And, uh, and on one hand, like we can love a restaurant. We can love chocolate chip cookies. We can love waffle fries from Chick-fil-A. I'm telling you, I just felt God enter this space right now. But then on the other hand, like we can love our spouse, the same word. Like we can love our husband and our wife. We can love a best friend. On, on one hand, we can love a sports team or a haircut. Or, or we can love like our favorite pair of stretchy pants. But then on the other hand, like we can love our family, like our parents. Like we love our mom and our dad, our brothers, our sister, our children, and we use the same exact word to describe it. On one hand, we can love like a, a new movie or a TV show or a song or I got a new app and I love it. And then on the other hand, like we can love God, the creator of the universe who loved us so much that he gave his one and only son so that we could be in heaven and we use the same exact word and it drives me crazy, <laughs> love. But here's what we have to understand today. We have to understand that when the Bible was written that there was not one, but that there was four different Greek words that was used that are all translated love in the English language. There wasn't one, there was four. And the first one that we see is this word called eros. And it, it, it's a romantic love. And it's like the lovey-dovey, head in the clouds. It's where we get the term, we fell in love. And we see this, this eros type of love in the original Greek. And the second thing that we see is we see another word that is known as storge. Storge. And it's a, it's a family love. It's a very natural, like a common close bond that you would have like with family members. It's, it's a bond that you would have, like children would have with their parents or brothers would have with their sisters. This can even happen in like teams. Have you ever heard a team be like, we're like a family? It's like this, this storge love. The third one that we see is this word phileo. Phileo, which, which is, like, it's a friendship love. It's a love that you have with close friends. It's, it's also known as a brotherly love. That's why Philadelphia is known as the city of brotherly love. It comes from this Greek word that means a friendship type love, phileo. But then there's one more. And it's this word agape, which really is like an unconditional love. It's a perfect love. It's a love, get this, that has nothing to do with the other person. Like it's, it's, it's a love that's regardless of their behavior, regardless of their decisions, regardless of their response, regardless of the circumstances, no matter what happens, that love does not change. It's loving someone even when you don't get anything back. It's the type of love that never changes and it's the type of love that God has for you. 
It's the type of love that God said, I love you so much that I'm willing to give my only son so that I can have a relationship with you. It's that love. It's the love. It's why Romans chapter 8 says that nothing can separate you from the love, the agape of God. Now, in these 11 verses that we just read from 1 John chapter 3, I don't know if you noticed, but John uses the word love seven times. And guess which one he uses? He doesn't use eros. He doesn't use storge or phileo. All seven times, my brother John uses agape every single time. Here are some examples. Now that you know which one it is, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 11, he says, this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love. Unconditional agape love one another. 1 John 3, 14 says, if we love, that agape word right there, unconditionally, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no agape love is still dead. 1 John 3, 8 says, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions and then 1 John 3, 23, and this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ. And not just that. I wish it was just that sometimes. But it's not. It's not just get saved. It's and love, agape love, one another, just as he commands us. Now, it's clear from these verses that we are called by God, every single one of us, regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, every single one of us are called by God to love people. But not just love people, but that we should unconditionally agape love people the way that God loves us, no matter their response, no matter their performance, no matter if they love us back, that's how we should love people. And can I just say, I've found that very hard. I don't know if that's hard for you. Maybe you are a much better human than I am. But for me, it's really hard to love people that way. It's really hard. Let me just put it this way. It's really hard to love certain people that way. There's some people that's like, okay, yeah, I can probably pull that off. But a lot of people say, like, I can't. And it, that, that type of love, the love that he clearly calls us to in these 11 verses this agape, unconditional love, like that's how you should love every person with a pulse? That's hard. I find that really, really hard. I may cognitively understand it, but I don't always practically live it. I may can tell somebody that's what it should be, but it's really hard for me to walk that out. It's really hard, it's really easy for me to, on a Sunday, to be able to amen that, amen. But it's really hard sometimes Monday about 11.30. It's really hard to do that. And I just know, in fact, like my natural lean is never that. Like me by myself, my default settings, I don't lean towards that type of love. I don't lean towards treating people that way. And so the question today is like, how in the world do we do what God has called us to do? Like how? How do we actually do that? Well, John tells us in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, he says, we know what real agape, unconditional love is 
because of Jesus. He gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. And so he says, hey, if you want to love people like that, love people like Jesus loved people. See, nobody did it, did it better than him. So follow his example. Like, follow his lead. And by the way, that's what being a Christian is. Like, if you're watching and right now, like, you are kicking the tires on this whole, do I need to give God my life? Do I follow him? What does that even look like? Let me just practically just tell you, being a Christian is just simply following Jesus. It's not going to church. It's not religion. It's not behavior modification. It's not giving money. It's not following this list of do's and don'ts. It's following Jesus. It's living life his way. So what does that, what does like living life like that, what does loving people that way, what does it actually require? See, when I look at the life of Jesus, when I go through the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, known as the Gospels, that when you go through that, you will see how Jesus loves people that way. And I see three practical things when I look at the life of Jesus. I see number one, you can write this down, is that love, it requires caring. That love, it requires caring. For us to unconditionally agape, love people the way that Jesus loved people, we have to care. And there's no doubt, if you look through the scriptures, you will see that Jesus, he cared deeply about people. One of the things I love most about Jesus is that he just didn't love crowds, he loved people. He, he just didn't get wrapped up in the massive crowds that were around him, but no, he just saw individual people. I love that. He cared and so one phrase that I see all throughout the Gospels, the eyewitness accounts of Jesus, I see this phrase that Jesus had, quote, compassion. Here, here, here's a few examples of this. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. It says, when Jesus landed and he saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and listened to his response and he healed their sick. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 32 it says, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. And then Matthew chapter 20, verse 34 says, Jesus had compassion on them. And then he touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight and followed him. Now, the original translation of this word compassion, if you, if you study the, the original Greek, here's what it means to be moved by compassion. It's not just a noun, it's a verb. It's to be moved by compassion. Because there's a big difference between feeling compassion and being moved by compassion. Because being moved by compassion, it means that you care enough to actually do something about it. It means that sitting on the sidelines is no longer an option. So here's my question to you today. Do you care? Do you care? Like, do you care about people in our city who are going to bed every single night hungry? Do you care? Do you care about people whose lives right now are being destroyed by addiction. Not just the people that are struggling with addiction, but the reciprocating effects of that addiction. 
the families that are being destroyed, the marriages that are being destroyed, the relationships that are being severed and broken, the desperation. Do you care? Do you care about people who right now are in the fight of their life for mental illness and mental health? People that are struggling with depression and anxiety and chronic worry. Do you care? Do you care about people that get this? Maybe you see every single day. People that you encounter every day. Do you care about coworkers and neighbors and the baristas that serve you coffee and the person at Kroger who checks you out and like who might be behind the scenes lonely, who might be hurting, who might be struggling financially, who may be completely hopeless whenever they go home at night, who may every single night put their head on the pillow and cry themselves to sleep. Do you care? Do you care when people get sick? Do you care when people suffer loss? Like, do you care when there are people that are lost and far from God? That right now they would not spend eternity in heaven in perfect relationship with Jesus. I think today, church, we have to take a look in the spiritual mirror and honestly say, do I care? I've had to ask myself that question this week as I prepared. Like, do I care? Do I really? I know we're supposed to. I cognitively get that. But to love, love is caring. It requires caring. The second thing that love requires is serving. So love, it requires serving. For us to unconditionally agape love people the way that Jesus loved people, we have to serve. I love this verse in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. It says, he, Jesus, made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Not a king, not a ruler, not the person that had juice and that was in charge, not a celebrity or a celebrity, a church celebrity. No, like it wasn't that. It says, Jesus, he chose to be a servant. I love that about Jesus. And Jesus also said this in Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 to 28, that kings and those with great authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects like tyrants, but this is not your calling. You will lead by a completely different model. In fact, let me break it down to you what that model is. Jesus says that the greatest one among you will live as the one who is called to serve others because the greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant, for even the son of man, Even Jesus did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone and to give his life in exchange for the salvation of many. You know what Jesus is saying here in this text? Do you want to be great? Serve people. If you want to be great, serve people. That the key to greatness is actually serving other people. I love what Martin Luther King Jr. His quote, that where he was paraphrasing Jesus, he says, anybody can be great because anybody can serve. And that's why one of our 10 values as a church 
It's part of our DNA. It's who we are. It's what makes us uniquely us. One of our 10 values as a church is serving is our calling. It's not just what we do. It's who we are. We just don't serve for a few minutes at church. No, serving is our calling wherever we are. It's not just limited to a day and a time and a building. It is all the time, no matter who we're around, whether we're around somebody for a long time or whether we have a stranger interaction, that we are servants. That we say that serving is our calling. And I'm telling you, if you aren't serving right now, You're missing out on a level of fulfillment and purpose and joy that I promise you can't find anywhere else. See, too many times I find that people, like, like they back away from serving when life gets hard. Because I got so much going on in my life. So I, I, I just have some time to focus on me. Well, what do you do with that, what Jesus just said? He says, you want to be great, focus on yourself? No. He said, you want to be great, serve. See, I'm telling you, even if you're going through something hard and everything inside of you wants to pull back and say, I don't need to serve right now. I need to focus on me. Let me just challenge you and just pastorally encourage you to say the thing that you need the most is to serve right now because you need something bigger than those problems. You need something that instead of focusing on you and everything that's going on, which by the way is very real, and I'm not minimizing that for one second, but what I am saying is that you can have something bigger than that, where you can say, no, I'm gonna focus on other people, and I'm gonna do that, and I'm gonna just take the focus off of me and put it on other people, and I'm gonna focus on something bigger than myself. Now practically, I want you to know that there's a way that you can serve within our church this week. This Saturday, in fact, this Saturday is our once a month I Love My City event, where on the first Saturday of every month, we take some time to love and serve our city with no strings attached. And this month, I'm so excited because our outreach team has been working so hard in organizing three different block parties that are gonna be happening in three different neighborhoods all around the city. And it's like we're throwing these block parties just to really kick off summer because there's been a lot of people who have been working really hard this year. And so we're gonna go, we're gonna celebrate and kick off summer. We're gonna have all types of fun games and sports. And you know we gotta grill out some free food and give away free food and just have as much fun as we possibly can. But more than all that, we're gonna build a lot of relationships with people in our city. And we're gonna offer prayer for people. And we're gonna say, how can we be there for you? And we're gonna ultimately, here's what we're gonna do by having fun and playing games and eating burgers and doing all, we're gonna point people to Jesus. And so to be part of this, all you have to do is download the Serve app. And it's super easy to find on whatever smartphone that you have. Download the Serve app, put in Queen City Church, and you can find all those projects and you can sign up for it. And, but I want you to know why we do this. See, we do things like this because serving is our calling. This is who we are. If you want to know who we are as a church, this is who we are. Because our, we do this because our city is our responsibility. And because we believe that loving our city means serving our city. Because love requires serving. Here's the third thing I see when I see the life of Jesus is that love, it also requires giving. It does. Love requires giving. For us to agape, unconditionally love people the way that Jesus loved people, we have to give. 
We see this in verse 16 of what we just read, that we know what real love is because Jesus, he gave. That's what he did. He gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for other brothers and sisters. But then in John 3, 16, it says, for God, he so loved the world that he did what people who are in love do. He gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Don't miss that the motivation for God giving his one and only son, Jesus, was love. That the motivation for him giving Jesus was this agape, unconditional love. And notice the order. Always notice the order. He gave because he loved. Because that's what you do when you're in love. You give. See, if, if, I, if I love my wife, I give to my wife. If I love my kids, I give to my kids. If I love my friends, I give. if I love people, I will give to people. If I love my church, hello, I will give to my church. Listen, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. So the question is, are you giving? Are you being generous? And not just financially, more than just tithing or giving offerings or giving money to somebody. Like, yeah, that is a tangible way to give to people, yes, but it's not the only way. Like, I want to ask, like, are you giving your time? Are you giving your energy? How about this? Are you giving your ideas and your creativity, your innovation? Are you giving your encouragement? Are you giving your kindness? There's all different ways that we can give. So are you giving? Are you being generous? Because love, it requires giving. But here's what I've learned. I've learned this. I've learned that I can't give what I don't have. Does anybody have like a water bottle or anything over here? Anybody have anything? Anything down here? You don't see anything? Nothing? I'm going to go. I'll be right back. Got it. Okay. I'm here. I don't know how that's going to translate at home, but we'll make it work. Here's what I've learned. I can't give what I don't have. I can't. So like right now, if you came up to me and just said, hey, Brian, like I desperately need $100 cash. Can't be a check. You can't, you can't Venmo me, you can't cash at me. Like I, right now, I have to, it's really important, I have to have $100. No matter how much I wanted to, no matter how much, your boy could not give you $100. I checked right before I came out here, I got $6 cash. Six, that's it. I was, honestly, I was surprised I had $6. But no matter what, I would not be able to give you because I can't give you what I don't have. It doesn't matter how much I want to give you that $100, I wouldn't able to do that. And so like, here, here's what I've learned. That even if I have this type of love, this agape, unconditional love, even if I have it, I can't consistently day after day, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, 
give that type of agape, unconditional love. It would be like if you just imagined that the water that is in this bottle right now was this agape love. Even if I had some and I had a good day and I woke up on the right side of the bed and I was excited about life and everything's going well and I have the capacity within myself to love people unconditionally and I have to pour that out. I could only do that for so long until it was empty, right? It would eventually run out. And when I do, I can't give what I don't have. And the truth is, I don't have an unlimited amount of that type of unconditional agape love to give. Which means, here's the sobering reality today. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. That we can't accomplish what God is calling us to do in 1 John 3 by ourselves. We can't. I can't, you can't. If I try, I'll fail. And you will too. But I've also learned that there's another way to get this water out. Where instead of pouring it out, it spills out. And so imagine if I just had access to this unlimited supply of water. Maybe if I went back there again and I found like a water hose that was plugged in, I brought it out and it had this access to unlimited water and I started filling this up. Eventually the water that's in here would overflow and get on everything else. So there's two ways to get this same type of water out. This water that represents this love that he's calling us to do. In so many ways, I can pour it out and eventually run out, or I can get filled up to a greater source that never runs out, which has the ability to fill me up to overflowing. See, here's what we gotta understand today. We don't have an unlimited amount of that type of love, but God does. He never runs out, ever. Listen to this amazing verse in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 11. It says, and I will always put it in the bank. I will always guide you and satisfy you with good things. I will keep you strong and well. You will be like a garden that has plenty of water like a spring of water that never goes dry, which means to accomplish what God has called us to do in 1 John chapter three, we need God because we can't give what we don't have. And I can't extend what I haven't experienced. But the good news today is that God has everything that we need to do, everything he's calling us to do, that God has everything we need to love the way that he's calling us to love. So write this truth down and then we're gonna pray together that our ability to love others is dependent on first receiving God's love for us. That's the truth is that for you to be able to do what God has called us so clearly to do in 1 John 3, to love people the way that we don't have the capacity to do ourselves. 
But the good news is where we can't, God can. And our ability to love others is dependent on first receiving God's love for us. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I don't wanna rush this moment um, because we do this a lot. And I think some of the temptation is when you do something a lot, you can really just start to go through the motions. But I want you to right now, wherever you're at, to take just a moment, to take a second, to breathe just for a moment. And just ask God, wherever you're at today, Ask him, what are you saying to me today? What are you speaking to me today, God? Maybe ask him this, like, what does my response need to be to this message? Because I believe this is one of those messages where our, our today should affect our tomorrow. So lean in right now. Right now, what is God saying to you? What's he challenging you? What's he encouraging you to do? What's a step that you can take today? Maybe he's saying that we need to make changes in the areas of caring or serving or giving. Maybe he's talking to you about that. Or maybe he's saying that it's time. It's time for you to receive the love that he's been offering you for a long time. Because you know deep down that you can't give what you don't have. And so maybe you're here and you're far from God and you need to get right with God today and you need a fresh start, and you need to say yes to Jesus, you need to receive his grace, his forgiveness, the love that can only come from him that can fill you up to overflow so that you have the capacity to love other people that way. And we wanna give you that opportunity today. So whether you like, need to start a, a relationship with God or you need to restart a relationship with God, if that's you, I just want you to write where you're at, just pray this in your heart, just say, Jesus, I need you. I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. Will you come live inside me? Will you change me? Will you make me brand new? Will you fill me up, God? I surrender my whole life to you. I give you everything. I give you my life. And today I choose to follow you. And it's through the mighty, powerful, awesome name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People.